Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Penn State football fans, we are back. Uh, whether you're ready for it or not, another edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Penn Live's Penn State football podcast is underway. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Daniel Gallen in State College. We're getting closer to the end of spring practice. Blue-white game is two Saturdays away, April 23rd. It does tend to move pretty quickly. I, it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, James's intro press conference was, you know, was it long? It's, it's been almost been like a month away or no, close to a month away. I don't know. I lose track of time. Daniel. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I was I was not around uh, for last Wednesday's availability. I was at the Masters, but uh, you got a chance to meet with uh, Manny Diaz, which uh, I'm a little bit jealous of. It wasn't a one-on-one. How are you doing? How's the weather? How are you holding up during spring drills? Uh, it's been it's been great. It's a beautiful morning. I got out and went grocery shopping this morning. Wegmans. Yep, went over to Wegmans. I mean, where else are you going to go? You could go some other places, but honestly, that's the best. That's the best place to go. I'll, I'll make it to, to the new Aldi uh, eventually. But <laughs> there's a new Aldi. There's two of them now in State College. All right. Yeah, it's it's coming up in the world. A little bit cheaper, a little bit a little bit more affordable for uh, anyone that might be on a budget. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, it's great. Uh, spring spring practice has been nice. It's been great to see these players back out on the field again. It's been nice to talk to them again. It's just kind of been nice to, you know, after January, February, most of March of just kind of speculating just to kind of like see some of these things in action. Uh, it's been it's been pretty nice. It was good to talk to Manny Diaz for the first time since December. Now it's just kind of, you know, we're going forward. I mean, blue white games in 10 days, uh, which is kind of crazy at this point. Mm-hmm. Two o'clock. Uh, hopefully the weather will hold up. I don't think we're not 10 days out yet. I don't think so. I haven't looked for any early. It doesn't matter with state college weather. You can look, if you want to look 10 days out and see if, Oh, it's going to be 62. It could be 32. It could be 42. I mean, the weather up there, you just never know. So uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So Daniel, we're going to talk a little bit about spring practice at some point during this podcast, but there's just been a lot of news lately involving the transfer portal involving Penn State's 2023 recruiting class. And also, even though it's not the same game anymore, there's some Penn State players that are in the, uh, I guess it's still called the Big 33 game, where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you at least about one of them who's from the Harrisburg area. But let's start. Penn State has not been very active in the transfer portal this offseason. 
I think there's a good chance that the first two players that they added were going to be key, con- key contributors. The wideout, Ms. Mitchell Tinsley from Western Kentucky. And they have a Ivy, I think it's Cornell, Ivy League uh, offensive lineman, Hunter Norzad, who's not really eligible to practice, I think, until uh, August. And they're going to need some help along the offensive line. There is no question about that. But when you he- talk about transfer portal, Daniel, and you talk about a, fi- a five-star addition, I know this has to have the Penn State fan base excited, especially at a position of need. So the name is, is Damian Robinson. He played at Maryland. Uh, last year, one of the recruiting sites had him as the number one player in Maryland. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you give the fan base a little bit of a description about this guy because you know Maryland better than just about anyone I know. So go ahead. Yeah, uh, Penn State added Damian Robinson. Uh, his nickname is Chop um, uh, through the through the transfer portal. Um, he entered the transfer portal not too long ago, I think, on his Twitter account. It's, it's March 28th. And he was one of a, a number of pretty high-profile uh, transfers to leave Maryland uh, since the end of last season. It's definitely a, a big get uh, for Penn State. 24-7 sports had him in their house rankings as a five-star recruit. Uh, it was a really big deal when Maryland got him to stick around. Uh, he went to Quince Orchard High School in Montgomery County. Uh, that's a pretty fertile recruiting area. And QO is... Year after year, they're making deep playoff runs. They're, they're involved in the, um, in the state championship conversation. So it's a program that has put out not necessarily the highest level D1 guys the past couple of years, but still some good talent out of there. He played in all 13 games for Penn, for Maryland last year, 13 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, listed at 6'4, 250. Kind of seems like he'll profile in as an edge rusher, uh, defensive end. He did some linebacker things before, but it'll be interesting to see kind of where exactly he falls. But it, it was interesting to to square this with James Franklin's comments last week about the transfer portal, uh, where last Wednesday night he talked about how Penn State needed help on the defensive line and that they were looking for for pass rush. Um, obviously, they they hit the jackpot last year with Arnold Avakedi, but with AK gone. Um, and then uh, Jesse Lucetta also leaving. You've got Nick Tarburton back. He's not necessarily that that same type of edge rusher. And then you're counting on Adisa Isaac to come back and a bunch of other kind of younger, unproven guys. And then in addition to that, James Franklin also talks about how when you're recruiting guys out of the transfer portal, it helps that it helps that it's someone that you have a previous relationship with. And Damian Robinson is someone that obviously Penn State recruits that area. James Franklin knows that area. That's an area that they have a lot of success with. And they were obviously involved with him uh, in his initial recruitment. So I think that you can kind of connect some dots. Uh, Damian Robinson was reportedly on campus on Friday to kind of see everything. And then the announcement comes Tuesday. So this seemed to happen pretty fast. But I think that you know, James Franklin really likes to emphasize the amount of homework that Penn State does on these transfers. And I think he's kind of alluded to the amount of homework that they do as kind of a reason why sometimes they're not as quickly to move. But I think this is an example of how those pre-existing relationships and, and that background knowledge can help them move pretty quickly when they have the chance to. So he's still a young guy. It's not going to be like Arnold Evichetti, who had been in school for four years uh, at a division one program. Robinson has, uh, he'll be immediately eligible and he'll have three years of eligibility left. He'll have to, you know, get in, get in this strength program, 
kind of adjust uh, to what Penn State has. I think that this is kind of like the the Johnny Dixon transfer last year where you're thinking a year or two in advance, uh, even though I think that Robinson has the potential to, to contribute right away. I'm glad you mentioned Arnold Ebichetti because I do think there's some things that we could talk about as to, to how Damian got here. Arnold did play last year. Both players from Maryland, correct? And Arnold obviously is a physically and just he was an older, experienced. He, he'd already kind of proven it a little bit at Temple where he was an all-conference player. Late in his career, he made the jump to Penn State. And boy, what a great, great, you know, 2021 campaign. In the discussion to be a first-round pick, Robinson is in his second year, uh, a more coveted recruit coming out of high school from Maryland, about the same size as at Ebiketti, 6'4", 250, a five-star in the minds of, I think you said it was a 247 was the, yeah. But, but I guess my question is, even though Penn State's not very active or hasn't been very active in the transfer portal, do you think that Damian saw what Penn State was able to do for Ebiketti as a pass rusher uh, in a very short time? And the fact that Penn State, you know, is is a school that's kind of close to, you know, where he, he grew up. Do you think that that had to have played into maybe him? If you, hey, if I'm going to leave Maryland, look what Arnold was able to do at Penn State in one year, given the opportunity. I just think that what happened last year probably definitely impacted Damien's decision to come to Penn State. Yeah, I think so. And it is kind of interesting, kind of what we talked about with how much eligibility he has left, where... Arnold was coming in and it was kind of a, a very much a stopgap. And it was kind of like, if everything goes well, this, this will be a one year deal. Obviously he had the option to return because of the COVID year. Um, and a lot of the transfers that you kind of look at, um, you know, Mitchell Tinsley is a one year guy. Um, I think Hunter Norzad might have two years, but it's kind of a, a less of a development thing. And I think that Penn State was probably able to pitch the development of not just Arnold Ebiketti, but they developed Jesse Lucetta um, as a as a pass rusher. And even if you go kind of back the the past few years, Owe, Shaka Tony, they do have a track record of putting defensive ends into the NFL. So I think that in addition to being an appealing place to come in and have the opportunity to play early, play right away, make an impact like Arnold Ebiketti, I think you can also sell the development that, hey, you're going to be here for for two to three years. I know in his mind, it's pro- he probably hopes it's just two. Um, but with John Scott and Dion Barnes and, and that defensive staff, you'll, you'll be able to really grow, take some steps forward. So, you know, it is interesting to see kind of the, the inner Big Ten, uh, transfer when, especially when you look at the other guys that Penn State has added, uh, for the most part, it's been guys transferring up. Tinsley from Western Kentucky, Norzad from Cornell, even last year, Ebiketti from Temple, Eric Wilson from Harvard, et cetera. But it is kind of, this is kind of the, I think the, the next step in kind of how the transfer portal will look for Penn state, where it's not necessarily these holes that you're plugging. It's a little bit more kind of, all right, we can plug a hole. while also develop someone. Yeah. And so let's just look at the, the 2022 defensive end depth chart. It gets a little more interesting, whatever uh, any depth chart gets interesting when you add a, a former five-star from the transfer portal who did play in all the games at Maryland Flashed a little bit of that ability that made him the number one player in Maryland in the mind of 247. But, yeah, so Nick Tarburton is back as a returning starter. 
Adisa Isaac is was one of the plums of Penn State's 2019 recruiting class. They played him as a true freshman. Uh, he played a little bit, I think, in 2020. Had the injury that knocked him out of 2021, but you know they do believe that he is an impact player, and I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be an impact player. So you have Isaac, you have Nick Tarburton, you have the Outback Bowl, not the hero because they didn't win the game, but the Outback Bowl star, the first half MVP, Mister Three Sacks in One Half, Smith Vilbert, who has no one's really talking about this spring. You have Zariah Fisher, the former linebacker from uh, Western Pennsylvania who is making that transition. You know, he got some praise from, I think, the strength coach. I think James Franklin has him on his radar as a rotational guy as well. You have Damian Robinson, and we haven't even talked about another guy that's going to arrive in August, Deny, got it right this time, Deny Dennis Sutton, another five-star, about the similar in size to uh, Robinson, the, the kid that transferred from Maryland. So now that you that you look at Penn State's depth chart at defensive end now, not only does it not look so bad, if, if Isaac comes through and Robinson can be a guy that can contend for one of the top four spot, spots, excuse me, looks like a pretty good rotation now. It does change the, I guess, the equation a little bit because when you look at how Penn State handled the defensive ends last year, it was pretty much a top three. Um, the, that fourth spot was kind was in question for most of the year, but kind of, I think from how it shook out in my anecdotal memory is that Arnold Epichetti was on the right side for most of the snaps. And then Nick Tarbert and Jesse Lucetta split time on the left side. And so kind of going into this year in my head, it was kind of like, all right, Adisa Isaac, if healthy enough, which I think he should be given the timeline, will kind of slot into that Arnold Epichetti role. And then. Tarburton will be on the other side rotating with, I don't know if it'll be, you know, Zariah Fisher um, or Smith Vilbert or whoever, but bringing in Damian Robinson and then bringing in Denai Dennis Sutton, who I think they expect to play early uh, and often, it does kind of change the the numbers a little bit there. They're pretty thin um, right now at that position, given that uh, Smith Vilbert is kind of you know, a little under the radar this spring. Uh, Zariah Fisher is unproven. And then you've got the two redshirt freshmen and David Townley and Rodney McGraw, who are both physically really, really impressive guys. Like you look across the field in Holuba uh, to look at the defensive ends and it's always like, wait, who are those two guys? But obviously they were kind of more, I think, projects as opposed to Denied Dennis Sutton, who is coming in and, and should be able to compete right away. So it's going to be a really interesting competition you know, luckily that is a position where the more guys you have, uh, the more you can rotate them and the more that that'll affect uh, opposing offenses. But I think the Damian Robinson addition is really big, especially because, you know, given that you have Adisa Isaac and there are these high expectations for him, you have Tarburton coming back and you have Dennis Sutton coming in. It's not like you need Robinson to come in day one and play, you know, 70 snaps at Purdue. Um, you'll be able to, to rotate him through and kind of find the right mix, figure out where to put guys, play around with personnel uh, up front. Um, I think it'll be it'll be pretty interesting, I think, to kind of see how this actually shakes out. And it does make you feel a little bit better about that defensive line group. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? 
Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's turn the page to the 2023 recruiting class. And Daniel, we've been talking all off season about, you know, when Sean Clifford does eventually leave, as of right now, they have three young quarterbacks that I think they really like. Christian Bayou, Bo Prabula, and Drew Aller. Another hat being thrown into the ring, uh, I think, next year. Marcus Stokes, four-star, quarterback verbal commit, recent verbal commit. What do you like about him? And just the thought of, again, assuming the – I guess that you you can't assume that all three young quarterbacks will be back in 2023 if Clifford's the guy for 80% of the year. But – for Penn State to be able to land a quality kid like this with already three young quarterbacks in the fold, it's just, I guess that is just one of those things where it's going on at every major program. I mean, kids want to go play for, at, at bigger schools in primetime environments and have a chance to, you know, get to the league. Not that Penn State's really gotten a lot of quarterbacks to the league, but I'm just curious about your thoughts on why you think they were able to persuade a four star quarterback, Marcus Stokes to become in as in the 2023 class, even though there's three young quarterbacks already on the roster. Yeah. I think that something that helped is that there's some similarities with uh, the recruitment of Drew Aller uh, to kind of the recruitment of Marcus Stokes. Obviously I don't think the Stokes this physically they're different quarterbacks. And I don't think Stokes, the ceiling uh, is as high as Aller's like when, you know, in December, I don't think Stokes will be a top five player in the nation. Um, but <laughs> But I do think that uh, it's a good job of Penn State by identifying uh, a quarterback early. Um, I believe they were his first Power 5 offer back in January. Um, He turned some heads at a combine, All-American game combine. I think in Texas, uh, some of the reporting I saw, Mike Yersich went down, watched him throw. Uh, Then they brought him up to Penn State, to State College, for an unofficial visit so he could meet the staff. and, And then that's where they offered him. And I think that since then, he took visits to Ole Miss, uh, Florida State. I think Miami and Florida were also kind of sniffing around and, and looking at him. So the being able to identify him early, kind of get in on the ground floor before the recruitment takes the next step, similar to what they did with Aller. Um, I think that that definitely helped them um, along the lines. And then, you know, in order to get a, a recruit to join this quarterback room where like they have to add a quarterback next year. They can't do the three three scholarship quarterbacks again. We saw that last year and it did not go well. So you need to have four in there. And I mean, Veyu, Aller, Prabula, all are young, all bring different things to the table and, and all are kind of interesting prospects in their own way. So I think it was going to take a, a certain type of quarterback, uh, a certain type of mindset uh, to, to come in. Um, you know, Penn State isn't at the Ohio State point yet where, you just come in, it's the conveyor belt, you know, the five stars know what the deal is. You come in, you sit, you get your chance. If you don't get your chance, you move on. Um, that's just, you know, how that, that program is. Whereas with Penn state, they haven't had sustained success either at the position or on the recruiting trail. Um, so I think that you weren't necessarily going to be able to get another, you know, top five quarterback nationally, but I think with Stokes uh, is someone where Dustin Hawkinsmith described him as having a lot of moxie in his scouting report. And I think that you look at his playing style, uh, the throws that he makes, 
kind of how he carries himself on social media. There's definitely like a, a confidence there that I think that it's the right mindset to, to bring into to this kind of room, I guess, a, a fearlessness almost. And I think that that's what you want out of a quarterback in this spot. I think the last time uh, either myself or Dave Jones used the word moxie to describe a quarterback or a similar word, I think it was Matt McGloin. And <laughs> Matt McGloin was, a, I think Penn State fans know, not a coveted, uh, not a coveted recruit like uh, like Marcus Stokes really had to climb the ladder at Penn State just to get a shot at playing as early as 2000 and it might have been as early as 2010, but it was definitely 2011. But man, that one year he had with Bill O'Brien, not the biggest guy, not not breaking six feet, not the strongest arm, but he had a great year at, in 2012 uh, for Penn State. Allen Robinson certainly helped. But and he parlayed that into an NFL career that lasted several seasons. He's still, I think, involved in kind of Penn State coverage now. But that was now that was a cocky quarterback who definitely had moxie. So if if Marcus is, has a similar kind of demeanor to Matt McGloin, I think that's a good thing because I think that really helped Matt. And I think Marcus, as a four star, is obviously coming to Penn State more talented than Matt. But Matt made the most of every opportunity he got at Penn State. So we'll have to see. What happens with Marcus Stokes and Penn State down the road should be fascinating. You're right, Daniel. They need four quarterbacks on the roster. I just think it's unique to have them all. They're all still going to be pretty young next year. So usually you would like, you know, whereas, you know, they have four this year. One of them is going to be 24 in a couple of months. They don't have that even with Marcus on the roster. So we'll see how it shakes out. But, Daniel, let's get to one other segment here on the blue-white breakdown. Let's talk a little about another uh, 22 recruit who doesn't get here until August from CD East, Makai Flowers. He also played at Steel High, was a standout on the, at the prep level at wideout and defensive back. I think Penn State is looking at him as a defensive back. I think he's practicing with the big 33 team as we talk. Um, what have you heard about Makai Flowers maybe in practice and what do you think maybe about Makai Flowers at Penn State moving forward? Yeah, I went over to Memorial Field in, in downtown State College on Saturday uh, where started sleeting uh, in, in the middle of a, of a sunny afternoon. Um, but uh, Penn State has, has five players on, on the Big 33 roster for Team Pennsylvania. Uh, Makai Flowers, the safety from CD East. Ken Talley, uh, the linebacker slash defensive lineman from Northeast. Uh, Keon Wiley, uh, the linebacker from Imhotep Charter, and Anthony Ivey, the wide receiver from Mannheim Township. Additionally, uh, Blaze, I think Sokatch Minnick, uh, is a long snapper from Wyoming, um, and he's going to walk on uh, and, and join that that special teams room. So you got five future Nittany Lions in the Big 33. Uh, got the chance to to watch their first practice on Saturday and and talk to the guys afterwards, which was which was pretty good. Uh, it's a kind of uh, a jovial group, some characters, uh, some good good attitudes. It was, it was a fun group to talk to. But um, yeah, I talked to Makai for a little bit and uh, he talked about how he, he sees himself as he's he's a safety now. Um, I know that there were some some questions about what he would play, um, what side of the ball he would play on. But um, he says that he'll you know, he's playing safety in the big 33 he said that he sees himself as a hybrid safety where he can play in the box or he can play um, in kind of the, the deep coverage uh, spot. So 
Um, it was kind of, you know, it's all like half speed drills. Uh, you know, no one's really hitting, but you could see his size stood out, his ability to move stood out. Um, and then after practice, I talked to Devin Johnson, uh, who's the, the head coach at Imhotep Charter. Um, he's previously the defensive coordinator and the defensive backs coach there. And there's been a lot of good uh, defensive backs that have come out of that program. Um, Aishim Young is at Ole Miss after a good good couple years at Iowa State. Tyke Smith is at Georgia after starting at West Virginia. St. McLeod is also at West Virginia. And then there's just a couple, a lot of other Imhotep guys at the FCS and, and D2 levels. And I'm sure I'm missing some other D1 guys in there too. And so Johnson kind of, he knows what he's looking at. And he said that, you know, he loved watching Flowers' film um, when they were figuring out who, who they had on the team. And, you know, he was excited to see him in person to see if it kind of matched up with what he was seeing on the film. And, and he said it did that. I think he said he was as good as advertised, which I thought was was pretty interesting and, and some good praise. So I think that Flowers, it's a position where the competition, there's competition, like they've got four guys there right now. They're bringing in four guys at that spot. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. But I think that it's a position where you can play early because uh, you can get on the special teams. You can be in the rotation. You can be in multi-defensive back packages. Um, but I think looking at Flowers, you you look at him and it's okay. Yeah, the talent's here that, that he could have a role somewhere uh, early on. All right. Well, I'm not going to let you go after you said there are some characters. So I don't know if you... It, if it was the way they were kind of out on the football field or kind of how when you talk to them, they answered some of your questions. But give me some examples. Who are who are who are the bigger some of the bigger, better characters uh, among the Penn State group that you had a chance to talk to and why? Ken Talley is just a, a great personality. Um, the kid from Northeast, uh, Makai Flowers described him as a big goofball. Um, and he just kind of was, was very jovial as he was going through the going through drills and various competitions thing. You know, he's laughing, he's smiling, um, you know, he's joking around with his teammates. Uh, while I was interviewing him, uh, Anthony Ivy was uh, was taking video of him to put on his Instagram story. Uh, and they were just kind of laughing, joking around. It was just kind of a, a very laid back atmosphere. And football can be so serious so much of the time. And it was kind of fun to see that level of player just get the chance to be laid back and, and kind of laughing and just, just having fun um, in that environment. You, you take a Saturday. I know you're always on the clock. You take a Saturday, you go see the future of Penn state football. And it's, we're sec, it's I think it was the second week in April and it's, there's it's sleeting in state college. That's, that's unbelievable. That's the luck of the draw for someone like yourself. I'm sure it was pretty cold in State College. I was uh, I was down in Georgia. It was cold on Saturday, so I imagine it was pretty freezy in State College. But I'm, I'm glad you were able to survive that. I'm glad you were able to get some uh, get an early read on some future Lions. Anything else from the past week that uh, I didn't ask you about that you thought was interesting? Yeah, I think uh, off of Big Thirty Three practice on Saturday, I talked to Keon Wiley for a little bit, and I talked to to Devin Johnson, his coach, about him for a little bit, and. Um, he was someone who was really impressive. Obviously, it's, you know, padless one-on-one drills, but he moved really well. Um, and talking to him afterwards, uh, I got the sense that he's very, very determined to come in and, and take advantage of the chance to play early at linebacker. Um, we talked a little bit about how uh, he was tweeting about an article uh, that he read that said that he was going to be content to take a developmental year 
and sit back and I didn't write it. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> um, and, and watch and learn. So I asked him about that and I asked Devin Johnson about that. And it was kind of a good, good window into his personality. So I don't know when I'm going to write that, if that'll be out this weekend or, or early next week, but that's a little tease, uh, as we call it in the business of, uh, of something to look out for. I gotcha. So we're going to wrap up this, uh, this episode of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Uh, you just heard from Daniel Gallon. I'm Bob Flounders. Daniel will be talking, I believe, with Dustin Hockensmith a little bit later this week. Also, how did Joe, how did our guy Joe Hermit do last week? Did he did he hold it hold his own uh, on the podcast, or did he get a little nervous? Oh uh, no, Joe was great. Uh, okay, he, awesome. He had some he had some interesting things to say about uh, our trip to Iowa uh, in October. <laughs> I'll bet he did. He's still <laughs> mad about that trip for some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he survived. He barely survived it actually. So uh, yeah, that was one of the more interesting trips I think that I've been a part of the last couple of weeks between. The travel and, and the, the game itself and the Clifford injury, trying to get back to Iowa, what Joe had to deal with a little bit after coming back. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure he had some thoughts on his trip to Iowa City and Kinnick Stadium. But uh, I, I would encourage our, our listeners, if you didn't listen to that one, go back and listen to it because uh, it was also a good episode because Joe uh, has eyes on these guys in a different way than than we do. And so it's kind of it's good to get his perspective. Yeah. I think we should have him on a little bit more often. I know that he's a busy guy at Penn live, but he really does look at the game differently and he really does with his pictures. And he also, Joe's really good at observing and noticing things that are going on during the course of the game that he's on the field. And, you know, there's some, a lot of things he'll tell us after the game that he saw or he, you know, or he heard. And it's, it's always, it's, it's a nice addition to what we're trying to do at Penn live. So, now that you said that, Daniel, I think we have to commit to having Joe on maybe in season or maybe once we get into August, we should probably have him on a couple of times during the season because I think I think he I think the fans would really like to hear from Joe more than just once a year. A good and he'll be a good recurring character for us. Yeah, he's a character. Uh, thanks so much, uh, everyone who listened and watched this Penn State. Uh, podcast the blue white breakdown daniel and i will be back next week but you can check out daniel and dustin hockensmith in a couple of days you're not going to want to miss it he'll have an update on our wednesday night availability you guys take care this has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by pen live <laughs>